What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is Wednesday, February 13th. We are hurtling towards the Combine. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. This is the Daily NFL Show. Still daily, even though the football season is over, which I don't mind. I love doing it, and I love talking to my man, Jason Lockenfora, joining us now. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Uh, have they told you much about the combine? You got any marching orders yet? <laughs> I have not. I my favorite thing about this show is when we get um like our we like we get coworkers on and we're able to sort of subtweet people at the office by having conversation. Like I have no idea what's going to happen at the combine. My wife wants to know. My family wants to know. Do I know? Hell no. Why would I know? Why would you know? <laughs> Eventually. Um. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day, Will. <laughs> I assume that we're going and that we're probably podcasting from there, um, given that it's a daily NFL podcast. Uh, right. But, but um, I, I don't know any details. And um, guess what? Details those are for losers. Do you have a hotel Let's at the combine? Do you have a hotel at the combine? I barely. It would look like it was going to be out at the airport. And I'm like, eh, yeah, if that's the case, it defeats the whole purpose of going. Yeah. Now um, I do think I'm finally in a Hilton Garden Inn downtown somewhere, I think. Okay, I might need to work on that, huh? Um, yeah. Look, yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I would put in some tentative dates because uh, it was a – it got to be a thing. Yeah, it'll be a thing. It's, I mean, like, it's it's crazy how the Combine has started to – do you think the Combine – because you how, – how long have you been going to the Combine? Um, Since the early 2000s. Wow. Not, not like Prisco. I haven't been there – I didn't invent it like Prisco. <laughs> I didn't create the three cone drill. Prisco, no, Prisco didn't invent the three cone drill. Prisco will take you to like, what's that, uh, the skeezy, like, uh, it's like a, like a, it's like a dance bar. It's like cash only, like, uh, with the checkered floors. There's some bar and he's like, this is where we used to party in the seventies. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Pete's the best. <laughs> he is the best. Um, but I missed that little guy. <laughs> um, I, I do think the combine is interesting because it has gone from, even in the last five years, it has gone from like, you could go and you felt like you were a fairly small, like part of a small, not a small group, but it was like, it wasn't overcrowded. And now it's like borderline, right. now it's like borderline like the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I would say in the last, I feel like in the yeah in the last probably five years the whole like radio row aspect of it has yes. just exploded. Yes, it's turned into much more of a of a daily media event. I mean, obviously it was always a bit of a media event and kind of a chance for you know let's celebrate football and get all these people out here when you know one should really be thinking about this game because we don't play a meaningful game that matters for six more months. Sure. But you know let's get everybody fired up about these prospects and put them on display in the meat market. But now with just the the um, and then it, well, you know you always had GMs and people who were talking, but a lot of times, you know, it was fairly low key. And and now there's you've got these elaborate schedules and people are taking these things live and they're being aired yeah. and they're being chopped up and every team has their own in-house media and website um, sort of conglomerate, right? So they've got boots on the ground and then. You've got regional cable networks, and you've got newspapers, and you've got national outlets like us, and you have people literally setting up sets, um, <laughs> you know, around different areas of of the uh, you know of the yeah. of the arena there. And it seems like it got so big that even now the league has kind of changed it around, right, to where they stick us in that one room now, where before we had the run of that hallway. You yeah, know what I mean? You had the yeah. massive rooms for interviews plus hallways where people could set up desks and stuff like that. It seems like they've kind of 
curtailed that a little bit with the, the setup from the past two or three years, but it's it's still uh, it's still you know quite the mass of humanity. Yeah, well, no, they but they moved it from like in the stadium, which I kind of liked because you felt like you were in Lucas. You, you at least felt like you were there. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, now we're just in the convention center and yeah. you can't see anything anyway. Yeah, you're like in a conference. You're like in a one big conference room, and they the way they bring everybody in and, and they're talking, it's like it's impossible to take like you have to you're basically it's like um it's like you're at uh Lollapalooza but for NFL reporting you have to pick yeah. you have to pick either the main stage or the small stage yeah you can't do both yeah, yeah you have to pick what acts you want to see and you sort of have to plan yeah. out and if you don't plan it out all of a sudden you're listening to Hugh Jackson blabber about nothing and, right. and you missed you know like right. Les Snead talking over there or something yeah and and, and it's um it, it's, it's it's not you know it just depends on the setup you get for for radio anyway anyway it's it we're too much inside baseball here but uh speaking of baseball kyler murray not playing baseball um we recorded with brady quinn for tuesday's show before kyler murray and before kareem hunt signed we'll get to that with jason here uh, as well as some other stuff but the murray thing it's a little weird that he spent the entire super bowl going around doing gatorade interviews refusing to answer questions there's a, there's a hilarious clip of him on dan patrick's show where he's like yeah they're like they're like are you gonna play and he's like i, I don't know and then he gets back and he sends out this this note and he's like i'm 100 percent committed to being a football player like why did you do this two weeks ago this makes no sense yeah i, I don't know that's some weird pr marketing stuff going on there i guess and uh I guess he, you know, a lot of these guys, they want to do it, I guess, on their own terms or on their own forum. You know, you've got the players, what is it, the players' cult? Not the, the players', players tribune. The players' forum, players' tribune. You know, a lot of people want to tend to make their announcements there or or what have you. It was awkward in that if you're going to send them there, that might as well be the start of his, I'm, you know, I'm Joe Football Media Blitz. And it obviously wasn't. Maybe at that point they were still trying to exact whatever they could out of the Oakland A's. And, you know, as late as Monday night, I was texting with some of my friends who cover baseball, including Ken Rosenthal, who does it as good as anybody. Yeah. You know, and he's like, hey, the A's feel like, you know, they still have a shot here and they're really willing to, to you know, pay out similar money to what he would get even if he's a top 10 quarterback and, you know, they don't think this thing is totally over yet. I, I do. Um, but I, I can understand them not wanting to give up the fight and to try to put enough in front of him that it would at least cause him to have second thoughts. But, um, I, this look, I, I, we had the kid in our studio at the NFL today, the day after he won the Heisman, and I was convinced right then and there that he was playing football. He was given so many opportunities on and off camera to sort of dissuade anybody or, or you know, get his messaging right on if it really was all about baseball. And I, I remember I called the PA that Monday, and I'm like, you know, has anybody, like, started calling a bunch of agents, and nobody was even recruiting the kid. Right. Because they just they didn't, you know what I mean? It did, like when you're when you're when you're investing your time and money and in, in who you're going to pursue, it was seen as a sunk cost and a lost cause, and not you know not a possibility back in September, October, even into November. So the NFL community, the agent community, a lot of people were kind of playing from behind, and I was actually telling a lot of people like, this is going to happen. Like this is going to be a really big story around the Super Bowl and the Combine. 
because I'm pretty convinced that this that this kid's going to want to play football. Hmm. You know, and sure enough, he he finally has signed with an agent now, um, and he's declared his intentions. And could he waver and flip flop and go back? I guess will. Um, but if he has a good combine and he has a good pro day. I don't think there'll be any reason to. You know, I think you got Miami, you've got Washington. Somebody's going to take him um, in the top half of the first round, I really think. All right, here's here's uh, what Rosenthal wrote on TheAthletic.com on Wednesday or Tuesday morning. While Murray seemingly left no ambiguity in his statement on Monday, his words were not binding. He has sent conflicting signals to the A's in recent weeks, sources said, a development that is hardly surprising considering he is 21 and facing a momentous life decision. The A's further believe Murray's statement was crafted by his football agent, Eric Burkhart of Select Sports Group, to demonstrate an unwavering commitment to the NFL, the kind of commitment NFL teams wanted to here so let me ask you this is he now represented by scott boris and eric burkhardt in separate sports yes boris there was no foot no um nflpa certified football agents in boris's firm okay so there was a no no chance that that was going to stay in-house um and so yeah he signed with eric burkhardt um you know, th- those guys have represented a lot of quarterbacks. Johnny Manziel, Geno Smith yeah. um, in recent yeah. years, just from the Big 12. So, you know. Case Keenum, yeah. Chase Daniel. Um, you know, they also represent Colin Kaepernick right now. Yeah. So it's not like this is uncharted territory for them. Uh, but, again, this pursuit among the agent community has really only been going on for – weeks not even months um was it was it constructed by them probably but like <laughs> how about some of the stuff boris put out you know what i mean like right right around the heisman like oh no chance nothing to see here and then boris's statement after the heisman like he's still 100 percent committed yeah. you know it's an airtight contract and he's playing baseball and then i think uh kyler's dad got a hold of boris and then boris put a statement out a couple weeks later that had all kinds of holes in it and room for you know malleability if that's even a word. And, you know, it was clear that it wasn't airtight. And then obviously things have continued to shift in the direction of football. Um, you know, the reality is it's a business and it comes down to money. And, and he's got another payment due from the A's in a month. Mm. You know, so whatever he says or does, the, the way that, that that $5 million bonus is paid out is in like $1.2 million chunks. So he's taken, you know, he got $1.2 at signing. I think it's March 11th or 12th. The next installment's done. Like he's either taking that money or he's not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like whether there's ambiguity or not. Like we're gonna know. There'll be cost certainty in the middle of March because he's either gonna tell them, "Keep your money," and here's my pl- payment plan to start paying you back 1.2. You know, or he's gonna say, "Okay, maybe this isn't going as well as I thought," and. You know what? Maybe I'm not going to go as high as I thought. So let me, you know, get on the first thing smoking to Modesto or Bakersfield, you know, or wherever the hell the A's single A team is, and let me get going with that in the California League. But I don't. I mean, this is a kid who played in big time pressure situations this year. This is a kid who seems to be fairly unflinching in in um, in the moment, and I, I have a hard time thinking he's not going to be able to complete a scripted, you know, set of passes at the combine and at his pro day and in a in a lukewarm quarterback market not quickly stand out. I I'm with you 100%. And so he, uh, it is the timing of all this stuff is interesting though. Like if you're Kyler Murray, we you know, we talked about the scouting combine coming up. You if you want to go try to be an NFL quarterback, 
you have to go to the combine. But if you go to the combine, you are basically telling the A's, I'm not going to spring training. So you, there is some chicken you can play here just in terms of wanting to try and see how the road goes with the, with the NFL stuff and then maybe circling back to baseball if it's a total disaster. But as you pointed out, there's almost no way that Kyler Murray isn't a first round pick, which means he's going to make roughly between, uh, what, like 17 and 25 million dollars. Uh, you know, depending on where he goes. And what about this, Jason? Is there any chance that he is drafted by the Oakland Raiders with one of their three first round picks and that he tries to make both sports happen? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know that the geography would matter. I mean, they're, they're going to be in Vegas in a year. True. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and, and he, this kid is, might be five years away from being in Oakland. You know, he, I mean, pretty recently, the A's had their AAA team in Nashville, right? Like, I don't know. I, uh, I don't right, have yeah. all their affiliates in front of me. But, like, this kid needs thousands of at-bats before he's in Major League Baseball. Yeah. You know, because of his pursuit of football, he's missed out on a lot of all right, well, what are you, training wait, what are you at thinking? Oklahoma. You know what I mean? He, if you talk to baseball people about him, he, he's raw. You love all the athleticism. There's potential five-tool um you know, skills to scratch at, but it's baseball is such a muscle memory repetition sport. And he's, he's already thousands of at bats behind other kids, his age Uh here. I, I brought up the A's, um, the A's uh, farm system, because why not? This is a daily NFL podcast. Why wouldn't we do that? The, uh, the rookie league is the, uh, is the Arizona League Athletics based in Phoenix. So that, that'll work. Right. Um, class A short season is Vermont Lake Monsters, which is, as you might guess, based in Vermont. Um, yeah. Class A is the Beloit Snappers, and that appears to be right. s- somewhere in uh, Illinois. Wisconsin, Wisconsin right? yeah. Beloit, Wisconsin. Class A advances the Stockton Ports, which is out in California. Double A. Yeah, which there's no way he's starting. Like, Beloit would be the right. highest he's starting. Right, and, yeah. Um, they, to, you know. Yeah, but hold on. He may even start in rookie ball and then get promoted to you know uh, whoever their short season team is. Well, Vermont—that's the New York Penn League, probably right. And they they start they they start like a month after the draft. Yeah, that's right. They after the baseball draft, they start in like June. Yeah, because um, that's, so like- that's probably what he would do. I would guess. I would guess he might start at their facility there in Arizona, and then. Play short season ball in the New York Penn League, which is not you know, like so they're going to have a a G six waiting after you know what I mean after his game finishes against the Aberdeen Ironbirds to fly him in for OTAs in Oakland. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know that the geography works. Uh, but just to wrap this up, Double A, the Midland Rockhounds, which is in Texas, Triple A, a team they just added two years ago, the Las Vegas Aviators. Mm. Oh, that's mm. interesting. I mean, I, they like, were affiliated with the Mets. I thought Las Vegas was affiliated with the Mets up until very recently. Uh, you were you were right. It was the Nashville Sounds until. Oh no, I'm sorry. It starts. Right. It starts this year. So last year it was the Nashville Sounds. Right, they were with the Mets last year. Still, I think. Yeah, there you go, man. You uh, your 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 Triple A knowledge is is deep. Yeah, so that's the PCL. I mean, look, I don't think it, I don't think it happens either. I mean, that's even Russell Wilson, who's the most recent. And I'm doing air quotes here. Two sport guy didn't really do two sports. He tried to play baseball, right. 
didn't work out, went back to Wisconsin. He, you know, that's why he left NC State is because Tom O'Brien couldn't get a firm answer from him on whether he wanted to play baseball or whether he wanted to play football. He goes to Wisconsin, has a great year, and then that vaulted his draft stock. But, you know, he and Baker Mayfield, shorter quarterbacks who've had success, helped pave the way for the idea that Kyler Murray could be a yeah. first round pick. And if you're a first round pick in the NFL, teams aren't effing around with you bouncing yeah. between Midland and Oakland. Like you're going to be a quarterback and you're going to come and be a full-time quarterback. Yeah, there's there's no there's no playing around. Um yeah. Okay. I, I don't I don't think that the two sport thing is is remotely viable or or feasible. Um and I think you know, I, I don't I don't think Eric Burkhart and those guys go into this to play games, you know what I mean? Or to be, have, you know, ambiguity. And I don't think Kyler Murray's going to try to totally game the system either. I mean, these guys are now going to be out there telling NFL teams, bring them in for a visit. You're not wasting your time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is, this is what he's all about. He had to sit down with Major League Baseball. They sent marketing people from New York, right? And the A's owner was there, and everybody met him in Dallas. Like, we're weeks removed from that, and he still decided that he needs to be in Indianapolis and not in – where are they, in Arizona? Are they are uh, they right there in Phoenix or whatever, sure. wherever they're mu- – you know, I don't even believe that baseball is starting, Jason, because Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have yet to sign contracts, yeah. which is right. like – There's still 120 guys on the street. Dude, yeah, okay, ridiculous. I mean, like, not to, not to veer into non-football stuff, but this – I just saw Jason Stark tweet this out. It's like the all the all-unemployed team – I mean, like, it's an all-star team. Oh, they'd win the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Sure. I don't know about the pitching staff, but I know you could put a monster lineup together. I mean, it's, it's, the pitching staff is Dude, like. Dude, Adam Jones would be the fourth or fifth outfielder. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The pitching staff would be Dallas Keuchel, uh, Irvin Santana, Gio Gonzalez, Doug Fister, and Bartolo Colon. That's better than what the Rangers trotted out last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean, I don't know if it's going to get you the postseason, but. Kimbrell! Yeah. Greg Kimbrell's a free agent. What is happening here? Yeah, there's your closer. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't, I, I mean, like, is that, I, I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking this, but if you're, if you're, if you're Kyler Murray, and you're like, okay, it might take me six, it might take me six years to really get paid, and you're like, alright, I'm signed with the, the world's greatest super agent in baseball who gets everybody 300 million. And then you're like, wait a minute. He's not getting Manny Machado yeah. and Bryce Harper any money. Like those guys. Well, I, don't think, I think he doesn't have, he doesn't have Manny. He does. Have oh, Bryce, do, he does have Bryce, but I mean, yeah, I think like, it's Dan, Dan Lozano has. Okay. Uh, that's right. That's right. Manny. But like Bryce Harper is 26 years old. He's in his prime. He's one of the three most popular players in baseball. And he is basically having to decide whether he takes less money from the Padres or from the White Sox. I mean, what the hell is happening in baseball? No, it's, look, it's, it's bizarre, man. It's totally, totally bizarre. I don't know that that's affecting Kyler Murray's mindset. I think what people are missing is just what we were talking about before, though. Like his road to get to Oakland, which let's face it, I guess by the time he gets there, they finally have a new ballpark mm-hmm. in San Jose or whatever, and maybe it's starting to be glamorous. But like, you're talking a lot of miles, a lot. How many nights in a two-star hotel or lower? How many days of you know what I mean? Twenty dollars a day meal money. How many bus rides of eight hours or more? Like, he just went from a, a training facility. And an infrastructure at Oklahoma that would rival any NFL team, right? And then, do you, as a first round draft pick going, you know, first round quarterback draft pick 
enjoying all of that and staying at the Ritz and having all those same amenities, you know what I mean? Versus having like one roving hitting instructor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And being thousands of miles removed from Oakland, playing in the New York Penn league, um, you know, like on a bus grinding with, you know, a trainer for one trainer for the entire team, you know what I mean? And working out in the, in the hotel, you know, in the motel six, you know, gym, like, it's just, I mean, it's all that stuff. So like the idea that Oakland's going to like, Oh, well, we'll just up the, up the ante. Like, yeah, but who's, you know, like, when he's riding the bus from Vermont to Aberdeen, what's his marketing? You know what I mean? What, what, is he selling? Is he selling shoes? Is he on the cover of Big League Chew? He's just another. I mean, minor league baseball is one of the biggest sort of untold exploitative stories in American labor history. Like yeah. they work overtime and they don't even get minimum wage. Like it is a joke what these teams get away with. I mean, these kids. You got kids like up all the way up to Double A. Like living six of them in a two bedroom apartment, or still staying with families if they can do it for free, because they don't earn a living wage. They don't earn anything close to a living wage for the hours they put in. You know what I mean? So it's that versus a uh, sixteen game season. You know, more or less half the year off. Like even at OTAs, it's a three day work week. You know what I mean? Versus the start of training camp and then a nine month season and grinding through all that and doing it on buses, crammed two guys to a room staying at the Motel 6, you know, being so far removed from anything that would feel remotely big time. And then they've got you for they got you for six-plus years yep. in terms of, of owning you before you really get a chance to negotiate a contract. I don't know, man. You know, it, 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 it's, pretty, it, it's a pretty tough way to go. A hundred percent. And if it's even remotely close, right, like – if it's even remotely a toss-up between football and baseball, which clearly it is, it's not like one was so far ahead of the other, then, like, which path, which path makes more sense? No, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. And if you're good out of the box in football as a quarterback, you're going to be, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you have one good season in your first three years and you look like a remotely athletic, explosive franchise quarterback, you're getting 15 to $20 million a year on your next contract. And if they don't give it to you, you're still getting a fifth-year option plus a franchise tag. Like, you're going to make more in your first Six years in, like, by the time that you would be hitting MLB, hopefully as a prospect who could start getting arbitration and have arbitration discussions, you could be in the 40 to $50 million range as a quarterback if, if, if everything goes right. So th- to me, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Um, let me ask you about this. Is, there's rumors out there, and it's worth noting that also one of um, Eric Burkhardt's clients is Cliff Kingsbury. Is there any chance... That Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keim and the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm sure they'll be asked about this at the Combine, trade Josh Rosen and draft Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick? Or is that just a bunch of crap being laid out on Twitter in the middle? In, in, in I mean, I had within 20 minutes of me putting out on Twitter last night that he signed with Eric Burkhart, I had a personnel guy picking in the top well, – I don't want to say – well, let's just say the top ten because okay. I want to keep it nebulous – uh, text me and be like, is that kid going 1-1? You know what I mean? Is there already a thing with Kingsbury? And I'm like, I don't think so. I I don't know. First, I don't know what you're going to get for Josh Rosen. Do I think there would be a scenario where maybe the Cardinals can trade down 
And then if he's still there at wherever they trade down to, maybe thinking about taking him. I mean, I, I guess maybe. I don't think there's, you know, any sort of wink-wink deal in place. I don't think they would take him at 1-1 ahead of Bosa and some of these potentially transformational defensive players. Um, I, I, I just don't. And I don't know what you're going to get for Rosen at this point. I mean, you talk about selling, you know, low on somebody. I I don't I don't see it happening. I don't. Um, I think somebody, I think the... I think the team that could be sitting pretty is, you know, maybe somebody feels like, well, let me go to three to get ahead of the Giants for a quarterback, you know? Like the Jets went from six to three last year. You know what I mean? Do the Giants go to six to three to get their guy? You know, is it, you know, Quinn and Bosa? You know what I mean? And then at three, now somebody's moving to get a quarterback. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of time before that plays out, but I, I don't think uh, the fix is in or anything like that. Um, I don't think he's going 1-1, but, I mean, you know, he also hasn't – this process hasn't really started for him yet, so who, who knows? I mean, if he, if he looks to be, you know, so far ahead of everybody else when they're throwing in shorts and shirts and they're, they're, they're making these visits to these teams, I, I, it's a crazy league and crazier things have happened, but – Boy, that you just traded up to ten to get Rosen. You yeah. had him for one season with two coordinators. You know what I mean? N- neither of whom. Are you know, we good. don't know what Leftwich is yet. Right. Mike McCoy's been fired left and right the last three or four years. <laughs> you had nothing really around him. You know, like you were the worst team in football. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that they bail on that kid right now. I think it's if you're look. I mean, here's the bottom line: if you're Steve Kime and you and you were and you drafted Josh Rosen with conviction, and then you come back and draft another quarterback the next year, I mean, that's that is that that's it's that's tough to pull off two two quarterbacks in the first in the top ten picks. If you're saying you're basically saying like, hey, I was completely wrong about Rosen, um, and then we need to we need to ship him off, and and it's hard to get what you would want in return for him. And as you pointed out, you're passing up a guy like Nick Bosa. So you have Nick Bosa and Josh Rosen. Or Kyler Murray and whatever guy you can get with your late round pick. Maybe you trade Josh Rosen to Oakland or to New York or the Giants or whatever it is. Um, the other thing too is that I think that when Cliff Kingsbury was filmed saying I would take Kyler Murray with the first overall pick, Cliff Kingsbury probably had no friggin' clue that he was ever going to be an NFL head coach. Right. Or at least like in the next right. like, like, like six months, he would be the NFL co- head coach of a team with the number one overall pick. With that pick. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you have to be careful here too. Um, I mean, you don't you don't even know if Cliff Kings, but we don't even know if he's an NFL coach. Like, we don't know how this is going to go, right. you know. And this could be this could be Chip Kelly two point oh. Like, are you are you really going to allow him to? If they did something like you're talking about, you would you would basically be mortgaging two drafts for this guy. You know, one that okay, he's already so smart that he thinks you know. Josh Rosen is damaged goods. And two, he thinks he can come in and he's never won here and he didn't really win in the Big 12. And he thinks he can win day one with Kyler Murray. Because, you, you, you know what I mean? If you take Kyler Murray 1 1, he's starting. Like, he's going to beat out Mike Glennon, right? I mean, like, he's. <laughs> I hope so. You know, so now you're basically. Pretend, you know, you're, 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 you're already saying you made a massive mistake with Rosen. And then you're saying Kyler Murray's a day one starter when he's only played one year of college football. Like, 
So you might be damaging that kid, too, if he's not ready. Like, I, I just, you know, this guy's going to have enough to figure out. And I understand you want to pick personnel that fits his scheme and yada, yada, yada. But he's got enough on his plate. I mean, I, I don't know that the, they should be running around trying to figure out what they can get for Josh Rosen right now. I, I just think, you, you know, it's the same GM. It's the same owner. You guys moved to get this kid last year. He, he, you know, he didn't look great, but nothing you did looked great. You couldn't run the ball. You couldn't pass protect. You know, you were getting blown out left and right. I mean, you played the kid way before you wanted to because Sam Bradford stinks and you gave him 20 million bucks. It's not Josh Rosen's fault. You know, I, I just, boy, that you'd be sending a heck of a message there. And, um, I, I don't, I, I gotta, I, I know they want to trade out of one and maybe they trade back far enough that the quarterback's just sitting there, you know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, well, we got all these other picks and we fortified ourselves for the future too. And now we're sitting here at eight or 10 or whatever. I'm just making up numbers, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, shoot, he's really sticking out on our board. Okay. Then maybe you play it out, but you got to get those other assets too. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And look, if you, you you can't commit that wildly to a strategy of going with Josh Rosen. Not to mention, like, what if Josh Rosen might be great for Cliff Kingsbury's offense? I mean, I can easily see that happening where Josh Rosen's in the shotgun, standing back there, whipping, you know, I mean, air raid passes down the field. I mean, like, it's it's not it's not that hard to figure out. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and break down the Kareem Hunt signing in Cleveland. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You know, look, this is this is what John Dorsey does, man. Um he, he's he's willing to obviously go big and gamble in terms of a character standpoint or a player's background standpoint. He's known Kareem Hunt since probably he was an underclassman at Toledo. I guess he would have at least started seeing scouting reports and some cut-ups of him. We, we know that he drafted him in Kansas City. Uh, he drafted a lot of guys, you know, during his tenure, have been a part of drafting guys, not just in – in Kansas City, but but going back at various stops, Seattle and Green Bay, um, he's he's willing, you know, he's willing to put himself out there. I mean, even the Baker Mayfield thing, not that he had anything in his past remotely like what was captured on video for Kareem Hunt, but that was not a sleep. Remember that that people were kind of shocked that okay, maybe he takes Mayfield at four, but to take him at one, yeah. So he's gonna he's gonna stick to his convictions and he, and he's gonna do things his way, and that's. That's who he is. Um, it's I I get it. Like he's comfortable with the player. There there aren't other things in the player's history that that point to this. Um, 
And it's essentially, no matter what they signed him for, it was going to be a year-to-year proposition. And he only has two years in the league, so he's not going to be unrestricted. So you, he's basically a controllable asset. I mean, for you've got him, you know, dirt cheap this year, and he's still restricted, right? You yep. can put a tender on him or whatever, yep. and then you could franchise him for two years after that. So that's all good for the, and you know, well and good for the Browns. And it, it also, boy, that's a very easy trade to make, right? Who couldn't afford Kareem Hunt for a couple million bucks for one year oh, yeah. and then pay as you go? So I, I just think he knows that, that um, he wants to get that kid in his building. He wants to get a look at him. They want to play a role in helping rehab him and keep him on the straight and narrow and have him walk the walk. Um, that it's going to take to not run afoul of the league office again. And then if you trade him before the deadline this year, you know, great. If you put a tender on him next year as a conduit to a trade, great. You know, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, boom, and you think you, you got a chance to win that division, which I do, then, wow, you're putting in a guy who led the league in rushing as a rookie as the backup. Um, you know, I, I had heard and reported early on that Kareem Hunt was going to – the first team that gave him something to sign, he was going to sign it. You know what I mean? This was not going to be a protracted negotiation. This was not going to be a where can I go to get the best opportunity. It's like whatever owner and GM are willing – you know what I mean? Are willing to bring me into their building. The first one who's willing to do it, I'm going to go there and try to show them what you know what I'm all about. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. And, and how it plays out remains to be seen, whether he's suspended two games, four games, six games, five games. Who knows? 12, um, 12 games. Predict that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't think it's that. I mean, I wouldn't think it's that. But the bottom line is, again, he, he's a controllable asset for four more years. So if you're Dorsey and you're sitting there saying, hey, Chubb had some injury history, right, in college. Yep. and. Uh, you know, we were able, we went with two last year and I started, I got Carlos Hyde early in free agency as insurance. And then I was able to flip him in a trade. You know, I, I, I get it. And the players comfortable with him and the players from that area for better or worse. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not, um, at all. I thought he'd signed within a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. uh, and that's you know ends up being essentially the case, you know. And now and now we'll see. You know, he'll be around there for OTAs and, and all that stuff. And um, is there think, is there I mean, he's going to play football in 2019? It's yeah. just a matter of how much football. Is there any chance that this was John Dorsey kind of walking to like? not a tightrope, but like sort of doing Kareem Hunt a favor because I think once the suspension is announced, let's say the NFL suspends, let's say if it's 10 games, I mean, just hypothetically 10 games, it's a lot harder to get signed when you're suspended 10 games, right? Versus when you are, you know, like you get signed now, you take the PR hit, the suspension comes through, you sort of go away for basically, you know, half plus of a season. And and now it, it helps Kareem Hunt to get signed uh, versus trying to get a contract after the suspension comes out, right? I don't know that it matters. Just again, because he only has two accrued seasons, so you know, like even if he, whatever they said it was ten or twelve, if you're buying low on him, you know whatever you sign him to, restricted free agent, and then you've got tags if you want to use him. 
you know? Yeah. And I don't know that the running back market's going crazy. I think it is what it is. I don't, I don't think Le'Veon Bell's going to do what Le'Veon Bell thinks he's going to do. I don't think I'll have as many suitors as some might think. And, and so, you know, who's the next guy to get paid? Joe Mixon in a couple of years, maybe? So oh. I, I, don't, I don't think that it would have affected it. I mean, if you're if – you're, and again, it, it depends on the team, too. I mean, like I'm just trying to think of like a really good team that needs a running back. You know, that thinks they're a running back away. Nobody's leaping to mind. Right. Um, well, well, what about the what about the fact that I mean, you just said Joe Mixon. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to get into discussion about about the, the like whatever we saw on video. But like the Joe Mixon, that video was worse. I mean, you know, it just I mean, it just yeah. It, we, what we saw was yeah. worse. And the same thing with Ray Rice. Now, Ray Rice yep. is older. He never came back. That's not surprising. He was the guy who was sort of the figurehead for all of, all of the um, he was a scapegoat for the NFL's domestic yeah. violence issues. Nobody was going to bring him back. Yep. But but with Joe Mixon, we saw that video and he got yep. drafted and he got drafted kind of high and he's having yeah, a good year. Second round. And, yep. and, and people are sort of I've sort of moved past it. Do you think that John Dorsey sees that and is like, well, if Joe Mixon, if we can move past Joe Mixon, we can move past Kareem Hunt. I mean, I'm not saying we should. I'm not saying that whatever we do is the right thing, but you know, the, like, the Joe Mixon video was more violent than the Kareem Hunt video, and that's sort of how our society operates. I mean, if you're, if you're John Dorsey, it seems, like a reasonable risk to take and a smart move to take given Kareem Hunt's phys- like physical ability on the football field. Um, and fortunately, that's just sort of how this works in this business. Yeah, I, I don't know how much he looked at it through through that prism. I think it's probably more about, um, okay, th- we're in Cleveland. This incident happened in Cleveland. Uh, they, they obviously have <laughs> some ties and some connections with the Cleveland Police Department. They obviously went through all kinds of craziness with um, Josh Gordon and uh, I guess to a much lesser degree, uh, Gilbert and certainly Johnny Manziel, right? So I'm, I'm sure I, I know they did. That when they're talking due diligence, I think that's referring to what they're hearing from law enforcement and private security people about the incident. And then he's going back to Kareem Hunt and talking to him and talking to his agent, who he's known for quite some time, and knowing what he thinks of Kareem Hunt and, and what he thinks Kareem Hunt is generally like as a human being. And, and he's relying on that. And then, you know, you're, 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 you're looking at the contract and you're looking at what a fixed cost it is and how you're buying low and how controllable he is. And it's like, okay – if we're trying to assemble the best 53 football players we have in September, you know what I mean? Is he going to make our team? Well, yeah, he's going to make our team. I don't know exactly what the role is going to be. He's going to get more carries than Chubb. You know, is is it going to turn out to just be a two or a four game suspension and he's lighting it up in training camp and, you know, Alvin Kamara goes down for the Saints, you know, and now we're getting a, a two for, you know what I mean? A two for him or whatever right. for him. Right. I just think it's more about that, about asset management and about knowing the individual and being comfortable with him and him knowing that he can't slip up at all or it could be his career. And we're just going to bring him in the fold. And I know how to relate to him and I know him as a human being and we'll help, you know, get him right. And and then what, what if he's Kareem Hunt and we trade Nick Chubb, what could we get for Nick Chubb? You know, like it's these are these are first world problems. Like those are good. Those are good problems to have. 
Um, it's a far cry from what the Browns have been doing, hunting and pecking and scrounging, trying to find 53 good players, um, or shoot, 25 good players or 18 good players the last few years, you know, prior to this turnaround. So I, I just think it's, I, I think it's, it's more about that than anything else. Okay. All right. I mean, no, I mean, look, I, I mean, I do think that, and, and it's also worth noting here too, um, that Duke Johnson asked about Duke Johnson and his situation. John Dorsey said at the, pre- at the cream hunt, the press conference following the cream hunt signing that, you know, there, he has not made a decision on his future yet. And like the word yet is very, I mean, I don't know. So if my boss is like, I haven't decided what we're going to do with Brinson yet. I'd be like, Oh, I'm, right. I'm screwed. Um, um uh, well, not screwed, but like I, trade bait. I was shocked that Duke Johnson signed the contract he signed. Um, knowing that, you know, what was going on in their backfield then. And even with, when at that point it was Carlos Hyde and then them still maybe drafting a running back, um, and there'll be teams that want Duke Johnson. As much as the ball's thrown in this game, I've, I've thought he's one of the best third-down backs in the league for a while and somebody who was tragically underused by Hugh Jackson. So, you know, that's another one where, I mean, does Kareem Hunt come in in that third-down role? Obviously, in the second year in the season, second, I'm sorry, second season in the league, he, he took off as a pass catcher to the point where Spencer Ware wasn't seeing the field as much in Kansas City because, you know, Hunt was like an every-down every guy. Well, maybe he comes in and is a little bit of the third-down third, third down guy and they run it through Chubb. I mean, you, you could – I mean, look, they've got a super mobile quarterback who has a background in RPOs. I mean, you could have Chubb and, and Hunt and Baker Mayfield in the backfield at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, you, you know, you, you, Freddie Kitchens has six months to play around with this thing now. I mean, one doesn't have to be mutually exclusive of the other either. I mean, there's, there's, a, you know, you can get really cute in the run game these days, especially with some of the personnel they have and with an offensive line, that's pretty darn good. So, they, again, all that will play out, and injuries are always a factor, but I just think it comes back to more than anything else. We Like, if he's – if if he's a dominant back, we could have him for four years, or we could flip him for something else. Yeah, or, I mean, hell, if you wanted to, if if before the draft it came out that Kareem Hunt was going to be suspended three games, and I'm not saying that's the case, but who knows what's going to happen with the NFL, you could call up teams and, hey, say, look, I'll give you Nick, you, give me a first-round pick for Nick Chubb. Late, like, hey, Oakland Raiders, you want Nick Chubb, late first-round pick. And, I mean, Right, give us one of the picks at the end of the draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, worth noting, too, that Duke Lower that. <laughs> huh? No, I have to be in here for a minute. No more, no more of those videos. Cause you get an hour to play that game a day, and that's it. Mm, good luck okay? with that. Good luck with that. That includes if you want to watch the videos, then that's part of your hour. <laughs> how does that? How does that hour? Fortnite. Oh man, how does that hour go? Because I'm trying to get my son off Sonic on Xbox in like an hour, and he's like, "No, I want five more minutes." I'm like, "All right, fine." Just oh, don't, bro, just, it's. it's it's a grind. Okay. I'm ready to crack their heads together. It's, <laughs> it's constant. Uh, Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's struggle. Duke Johnson's touches per game, by the way, uh, as noted by Evan Silva of Rotoworld.com. 10.3 in 2015, 7.9 in 2016, 9.8 last year, or 9.8 in 2017, and down to 5.4 in 2018. Um, eh, interesting. And, and Andy Benoit noted that, uh, that the, that the Browns, Freddie Kitchens was better at, at two running back sets than just about anybody in the NFL. Um, all right, we're going to let you go, Jason, because uh, you're being fortnighted into oblivion. 
<laughs> I got to go parent. Yeah, good parent. Um, we covered everything we need to parent. Anything else? Anything else we need to cover from uh, from the news side of things? I mean, those are two really the two big. No, I mean it was a pretty pretty big February Monday in the NFL. Um, yeah. By the way, Brian Curtis, yeah. Brian Curtis just reporting on the ringer.com that um, ESPN and the NFL are going to air 2 hours of combine coverage on ABC, network television combine coverage. There you go, bro. I wonder what I mean, I'm guessing that's going to I would have to think it's quarterbacks, right? I mean, if you're putting it on Don't are the quarterbacks usually Saturday afternoon? I'm guessing I might hunt yeah. to see that would be Quarterbacks throwing on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, and if it, so, like, then you would have Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, and um, mm, that is that is true. That would make sense. On field workout Saturday, Saturday March second. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. That's a no brainer. Yeah, I would think that's what they're doing. Yeah, that makes that makes uh, that makes absolute sense. You put that on network television. I'll watch it on ABC. I mean, or NFL Network, whatever. Can we get like DNs and corners on CBS Sports Network? We'll have to see. <laughs> Yeah. Will they start siphoning it off now, one by one? We get Fox and CBS bid on corners, and somebody bids on running backs. We get uh, we get offensive linemen and, and special teamers on CBS Sports Network. On, on, the Pick Six podcast is going to air offensive linemen work, or uh, punter drills uh, live. There you go. Yeah, that's that's how it's going to work. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks as always for stopping by. Still doing once a week, even though it's the offseason. You're a true grinder, Jason Lacafora. Follow him at, oh, at Jason Lacafora. Uh, watch him on CBS Sports HQ. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good, buddy. Talk to you soon.